everybody, this is Mike Van Meter, and welcome to Recovery is Possible. And I want to thank you for joining me. And you can reach us at our Facebook site, which is also called Recovery is Possible, or my website, which is VanMeterWellnessSolutions.com. And this show exists to educate the public about addiction and remove the stigma associated with addiction and to offer help and support to those suffering from addiction. And today, I want to introduce you to a very special guest that we have, and our guest is going to be Tom Farley. And Tom Farley is a just a fantastic human being, and I had the opportunity to meet him at a fundraising event a few weeks ago that my wife and I had the pleasure of attending, and he was a keynote speaker. And I was really, really touched by his story and the story of his family. And you know, on this podcast, I, I talk quite a bit about addiction and how addiction affects the family runs in families and you know the whole process of recovery involves all of us in a family in fact you can go on and say that addiction affects a, a, a spectrum even larger than the family because you know this is going to affect your friends it's going to affect your uh, worker your workplace your your boss co-workers everyone is involved in your orbit if you have an addiction. And Tom just has a phenomenal story. And um, some of you may know him best by being the brother of Chris Farley, who unfortunately passed away from his own addiction. And uh, Tom's going to talk about that, and Tom will talk about his own story as well. And it's just very powerful, and I'm very touched by the work that he does today to try to help those that are suffering. And, you know, just a great human being. Um, He's very gracious with his time joining us today, and I'm very excited about that. So with that, Tom, welcome to the the program. Thank you, Mike. Um, It's good to be here, you know, and um, uh, yeah, thanks for the intro. And uh, you're right, uh, it all starts with family, and um, that's certainly where we're no different. Um, But uh, from that, those origins to where I am now, it's been, it's been a journey but uh, I couldn't be happier than uh, where I am right now, uh, a person in recovery. So um, love to, uh, as part of that, just t- tell my story, which is, which is, uh, so I thank you for that opportunity. That's great. Yeah. And you know what? I think if we could maybe just start it at the beginning and, and talk about what it was like, uh, you know, growing up and maybe your, your introduction into uh, alcohol and any other substances that yeah. you had and, and where that ended up, because, you know, for many of us, it starts at a very young age. Yeah. Well, I mean, we had coming out, uh, you know, we had a big family, you know, there were four boys and was an older sister and my parents and, uh, you know, we had all the boxes checked. I mean, we had, um, under, you know, uh, we had a family history, you know, my mom's, you know, kind of, you know, she's from Boston. She's, you know, you know big Boston Irish, um, uh, you know, a lot of history there. And my father's from Wisconsin. And uh, combined, you know, there's a lot of history between the two of them. Uh, so we had that. Uh, we, As I mentioned before, we were Irish. So we had that you know, that box checked. And then uh, finally, we were from Wisconsin. We, we, we grew up in Wisconsin, which is, you know, one of the toughest environments for certainly for alcohol uh, around. So, um, you know, coming out of that was um, um, all that factored in. And, uh, you know, it wasn't really, it just was, uh, you know, um, it was always around, you know, Um, every, uh, you know, gathering every night, you know, it was just, it was just a, it was just part of the, the scene was, was drinking And, and like, you know, you really never, you really can point to anyone that like, Oh, that person's got a really drinking problem. It, it was just, but it was just always prevalent. Um, there were, you know, nobody was really overboard, but I say that it's funny. It's funny because years later, people ask me like, you know, certainly when it was me or, or, or one of my brothers, they go, well, when did you first notice? I'm like, well, you didn't because, we lived in Wisconsin. I mean, it's, that's so normative that no one stuck out, you know, but it, everyone was, you know, just at a high level of, you know, consumption. So, um, so we, so that's, we kind of grew up doing that, you know, and, and, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, I, you know, we all kind of, we all kind of, I think most of my brothers and I, you know, hit 
the age 18, you know, before we're that old. So we were, we were all 18 before drinking was, you know, elevated to 21. So, you know, if, if back, you know, when we were in high school, if, if drinking, the legal drinking age was 18, that means, okay, well, then you were, you know, 15, 16 when you really started. So, um, that's, that's kind of what we did. And, um, and we kind of went through our, you know, college years and, and then, you know, when we had to be responsible, it kind of hit us. So, um, it's interesting. I, t- again, I, I'll jump around a little bit cause that's what I do, but you know, we, we, I remember looking back at some of our, um, I, I you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's hard when, when there's like, so my, my sister Barb never really had a, a any sort of issue with drinking. She get up to like two glasses of, you know, beer, you know, two beers or two wines, whatever it is and stop, which is weird. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's alcohol abuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What the hell? What's wrong with you, Barb? Um, and then, you know, my other, you know, my other two brothers and me, we were, you know, just, just these heavy, heavy binge drinkers. We just didn't have a off button. You know, once we started, we just, you know, we didn't drink every day of the week or when we woke up, but when we did, when it was go time, it was go time. And so that was the three of us. And then you had my brother, Chris, who just went from one thing to the next, to the next, and was always just an increasing kind of thing. And so we all kind of had this same environment, you know, baseline, you know, experience, but, um, we reacted to it differently. And that's, that's, you know, one of the messages I tell people is like, you, you don't know what, what you're, what you're dealing with. And you could have the, you know, as I said, all of us reacted differently. So, um, and as long as we could point to somebody that was worse, like with Chris around, we could always say, well, we're not that bad. So we must be okay. Right. And I remember going to the first, my first couple of times, when I tried to get sober, um, going to AA meetings, I could always, my barometer was always drinking and I could always point to somebody that drank more or, or took drugs and drank, you know, like, well, yeah, I'm not that bad. So I guess I'm okay. So I guess I don't need, you know, the program. And so and that was what, you know, same thing with my family. You know, we all thought we were okay because we weren't that bad. So, um, that's kind of the training we had, and we were trying to, you know, you know, all this focus was on, you know, the, on, on Chris, but we weren't really dealing with our own issues at, you know, or because, or maybe, you know, there was also the, 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 the thought that we weren't really being helpful to Chris as much as we could be, because we had this fear that, you know, we'd have to address our own issues, which, you know, maybe we should have, but the, the fact of the matter is it's irrelevant. You know, if, you know, your problems are your problems and, you know, if Chris really needed help, then we should have been there, but we didn't, we didn't get all that stuff. And so, so literally 25 years ago, you know, Chris dies, you know, um, and I kind of had to figure out what I wanted to, do with that and the best thing i could think of doing was going into schools and and kind of telling chris's story and uh hopefully preventing people from kids going down the same road because there was so much you know he had so much you know um he got yeah i was able to through chris's name get his attention so i did the chris farley foundation and started doing all this great work and um trying to raise my own family at the same time. And I, I knew I had, had, you know, these three kids and, and I was going into schools talking about prevention. And I, I, you know, I kind of thought like, well, I don't want my kids growing up in the same environment I did. So I, during that time frame, you know, at least for like 15, you know, 16 years, I, uh, I would be able to put together like five years of sobriety. And like I said, you know, I probably shouldn't drink, especially if I'm kind of doing this, you know, foundation where I'm, in schools talking about. So, uh, I, I would stop drinking for like five years and I, that's, that's, that's as far as I would get. It was always around year four or five where I, you know, would my, 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 my brain would kind of start, 
getting louder and louder. And I would say stuff like, well, you know, it's St. Patrick's Day. I've been, you know, I can have one Guinness, right? I've, I've been five years, you know, sober. You know, what's the difference? You know, I, I got control of this. You know, I, I kind of, I know how to, you know, I, you know, I, I can manage it. And I would have, I would have that Guinness. And then too, and then I was amazed at just how quickly I just came back. I was back where I was, where I started, you know, uh, heavy, heavy drinker again. And I would do that for about, you know, 10 years. And then, you know, I would say, I got to stop drinking again. Because it's really funny was, you know, I couldn't understand the fact that I was sober but it, well, I was still creating all these kind of train wrecks and havoc and broken relationships. I'm like, I don't get it. I'm, but I'm doing the right thing, right? I'm not drinking. So I put these, you know, two stints of, of sobriety together in, in, in between, you know, it was, it was just this up and down thing. Um, and I kind of did this. So I, then, then, then about, Four years ago, I got to that same point again. It's like I got time. I got tired of this, and I was getting old. So I was doing just these, you know, all the stuff. You know, just I was uh, putting too much thought into my drinking. You know, like like wh- like what back roads am I going to drive home from this party with? You know, so I can avoid whatever. You know, just this crazy. And and I was smart enough to know like this is crazy thinking. Like this is your 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 or you're leaving parties early so because you can still drive home but then you get home and continue the party on your own by yourself it, that just was crazy to me especially with all the family history that i've had you know and all that kind of stuff so i you know i, I again I, I said all right i stopped and i was like i stopped i got four months of sobriety in me and i met somebody um who i had done some work with in the in the uh, in some of her you know, um, outpatient, you know, she had ran a teen outpatient, uh, clinic here in Wisconsin. And she called me up one day, just kind of reconnected. And she said, how are you doing? And I kind of proudly tell her that I hadn't had a drink in, in four months. You know, I am, I'm, I'm back on, back on track again. I haven't had a drink in four months. She's like, okay, that sounds wonderful. Well, let's have coffee. And I said, I'd love to. And she said, well, why don't you uh, meet me at Saturday morning at nine o'clock? Um, at the basement of the Presbyterian Church, I'm like, okay, here we go again. You want me to go in there? Like, need it. All right, fine. But this <laughs> You're is like, <laughs> the coffee must be good there. Yeah, like, really? Why, why are we going to the basement? Of the, oh, I know where we're going. So, um, but this is somebody that I had, tr- I, you know, I, I had worked with, I, I trusted, I, I saw all the work that she had helped so many people in her capacity. Um, with her clinic and I'm like, this is somebody that accepted me and trusted me. And then I trusted her back and I said, yes, I said, I, I, I gave up. I said, okay, I'm giving it up. I didn't know that I was, you know, the giving something up to a higher power or whatever it was, but I, I just, uh, it just was that right person at the right time. So I said, okay. And, and I started going to meetings and I realized uh, quickly that it wasn't about being um, sober. I started listening. Right? You know, the first thing I did was just kind of shut up and listen. I started looking at people and not looking at how much they drank or the stories they told. I was think I was I was looking at people and hearing their stories, and I was like, oh my gosh, I think like that, or I, you know, that's the way I you know. That's my decision making. That's how I behaved. It wasn't about my drinking at all. It was about how I processed the way I thought about things. And that was when I realized that all these years that that being sober just is giving me the clarity to to, to deal with stuff I really need to deal with the stuff I really need to deal with. Um, and you know, it, it was just I, I just approached. Um, recovery completely different with that mindset or just a different mindset and and what helped me was the first time i'd literally heard of you know i finally listened to and and read you know the big book and and uh heard the, when i heard the words rigorous honesty 
it just was like this. That's you know what I was looking for this whole all this time, man. Because I, I mean, I was a marketing professional and I was an Irishman, so I know how to craft a story. I know how to craft a you know, make make the world you know just show the world a, a person that I thought they wanted to see, and I would you know kind of yeah that I spent the whole lifetime of of kind of living a life that um wasn't wasn't really me and i think i really knew that deep down inside and that's probably what was driving a lot of my drinking because like just didn't feel right didn't feel authentic and so i heard rigorous honesty i'm like god is that is that the thing that's gonna just take this burden off my shoulders and sure enough it was you know i just started being truthful with myself um, and, and, and really just in telling myself to be truthful with myself and not, not being truthful to other people. That's, that wasn't what I was trying. I was just wanted to be, just be truthful with yourself. Start there. And I started doing that. And, uh, um, yeah, a little bit, it just, it just, it just opened up a whole, I don't know. I don't know why I, you know, just, just open up a whole new kind of view of life. You know, I started just kind of dealing with, you know, what I was, uh, you know, just what, you know, just my, my stuff and not worrying about, you know, what other people thought of me or where I should be in life and things like that and or controlling, needing to control everyone else in my, in my life so that I can have this, I can, I can produce this person that I thought that I should be like, instead of being that person myself, I needed other people to do certain things so I can be my the person I, I thought I should be. It was, it was a whole control thing. It was crazy, but it was, it's funny to, to look back now. And, then, and so I just started to be myself and, and, and what was really cool is I had spent 20 years going into schools and communities and, and places uh, doing great work but I was always talking about somebody else's addiction, somebody else's struggles. And, and of course, I'd to talk about the, the, the times when, when uh, Chris was in recovery um, and just doing amazing stuff with his career. Um, but again, it was somebody else. And um, once I started, you know, I still come, I'm still talking uh, to groups and advocating. And, but now I'm talking about myself. And the reaction I'm getting uh, to me just being my authentic self more than I ever had talking about my brother. And that amazed me. I'm like, you don't want to hear about like this brother of mine. And they're like, yeah, if you want to mention him, that's fine. It's kind of interesting, but you know, your story is helping. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Um, let's let's do more of that then you know that's great because i you know here i am you know i always wanted to help people but now i'm telling my story and being more authentic and i realize i help myself you know so i don't know it's that's a long story but uh that's 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 kind of the crazy journey no it's a powerful story and yeah when you so you had periods uh, it sounded like maybe four or five years cycle. Then, then there yeah. would be a relapse, and then another four or five years. Um, but, I, but I'm taking it that you're in continuous sobriety now. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, I, yeah. I love I, about yeah. how how long would you? What, what what's what? How, what's the period between now and the the last time that you you had your relapse? Well, I've been in recovery for uh, in two weeks. It'll be uh, four years. So. That's phenomenal. Um, yeah. You know, and, and so then before that I was drinking for probably, you know, eight, 10, well, probably 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, and then I had my, you know, and then I was just being sober, but I, so I would have five years of sobriety and then followed by 10 years of, you know, of, of drinking. So, um, this last four years has just been, but it's been like totally in recovery and it's been, Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? I, I think that, you know, the, the literature tells us that relapses can be uh, a learning tool for us. 
And I know that that was true in my own case, and it sounds like it's in your case. You know, sometimes we have to prove to ourselves that, you know, when we, we talk about how this is a progressive disease, it gets worse over yeah. a period of time, it doesn't get better, and that you uh, uh, you can't go back and safely drink again. And the danger is that you might get away with it for a little bit, and that's what I, I heard in your story is, you know, hey, look, I can have a Guinness, and I can go, look at that, see? Uh, it didn't, these guys keep telling me that uh, yeah. it's going to be worse than it ever was, and it wasn't. I had that one Guinness, and I moved on, and then you have another one, but then all of a sudden it hits you like a freight train. And I think sometimes we need to prove that to ourselves. But the lesson with that is that if there was any doubt, you understand now, yeah, no, right? No and, and I know that, well, you know, that was my case. Yeah. Well, it was interesting is um, in looking back at that time period and that specifically not that thought process is uh, um, uh, having that Guinness, that wasn't the relapse. Mm-hmm. The relapse was the thought that I could have one that preceded the actual picking up the Guinness and drinking it. That was the relapse when my mind went back to its old thinking and said, you can have that drink. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, so in this last four years, I have been, um, that's what I'm trying to avoid. I'm not uh, trying to avoid the next drink, which, but for some people that, 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 they need to do that. I'm not, I'm not trying to avoid the next drink. I'm trying to avoid my, my mind from telling me that that next drink is okay. Mm-hmm. That you can manage that. That's that. And that's, that's, um, again, it's, it's, it's not about the drinking for me. It's about the thinking that goes into it or, 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 you know, um, the, 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 not being truthful, the, the inauthenticness, you know, living that, you know, that and, and not feeling good about it and, fe- you know, and, and, and wanting to and needing to, um, you know, drown that out, medicate, you know, just kind of medicate away that, that horrible feeling that I was not being, you know, um, my, my true self. Um, yeah, so you know, and, and and it so it starts out weeks, maybe even months ahead of time, and a lot of people say that. You know, I've I've mentioned on this podcast before that. Uh, you know that it's not like you're driving down the street one day, and your car just automatically turns right and goes into a store and buys alcohol, and then you're drunk. It it doesn't yeah. work that way. It's something that, and you can almost sit in meetings, and watch people in meetings and just listen to what they say and and talk to them before meetings and after meetings. And just by the way that people are talking, you can see the relapse. You can feel the relapse coming because the language changes. The thought processes change. And when people start lying to you or they're being deceptive or they're not being totally honest, that's an indication too, because, you know, it starts with not being honest with other people. And ultimately it ends with you not being honest with yourself and then it's not going to be long after before that relapse occurs. That's why brutal honesty is oh, paramount geez. to the the whole program. Yep. And yeah, and, and it's the right honesty. I, somebody asked me once at a different podcast, like, "Well, let's do between recovery and long term recovery." And like, I, I I don't know. I I'm going to be in recovery. All I know is I'm in recovery. Mm-hmm. But if I had to, but I can tell you some stages that I was interesting to me is like, and, and to think I the, the, the kind of the the easiest kind of measurement for me um, is when I when I went through a divorce and when I when I and when that first happened, I was drinking. And when somebody said, well, why did you get divorced? And when I was drinking, still uh, not in recovery, my answer was, well, my wife uh, didn't respect me and really didn't support me, didn't have my back. You know, boom, that's it. And uh, then I got into recovery. I started out in recovery. And if people, somebody asked me, like a year in and people did, you know, like, and I remember, you know, hearing this change and so, so why did you, you know, like tell me about your divorce? And I said, well, to be perfectly honest, if I'm going to be rigorous, honestly, honest with myself, um, I didn't, I didn't respect or support her either. You know, 
she didn't support me, I didn't support her. That's why we got divorced. I'm just being honest mm-hmm. with myself. If I'm being honest with myself. And then further down in recovery, now when somebody asks me that, that question, my only answer is I wasn't very respectful and I didn't have my wife's uh, back. And I, you know, I, I, it, it, was, it was me. Her part of it is, is irrelevant because I, I can only deal, I can only deal and control what I could. And I, and I have to take responsibility for that. I, you know, I can no longer control or judge other people. Um, you know, they're, they're part of the of, of relationship with me. I can only take, you know, con, you know, responsibility for that part. And that was, that's, that, that's how I describe kind of where I've come in, 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 um, in recovery. It's like, that's where I am now. It's like, it doesn't matter kind of these other things, you know, like, why did you get fired? Well, my boss was a, like, take it. Just, it's a, just all about your action, you know, just your stuff. Mm-hmm. And that, that too has made a, a huge difference. You know, it's, um, uh, it's, it's, it's taken away so much, um, everything like anger, fear, you know, uh, all these, all these negative emotions, it's, it's, it's helped to, to kind of rid myself of that. And I lived there. I, I lived there in those kind of emotions. Um, well, you know, it's so, interesting about that because you, you raise a good point. And I'm going to circle back to something you said a little bit earlier here in a second, but I, I want to make a larger point because it's a, it's a critical point, I believe, and I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this. And that is that it sounds like in your story, there there was a lot of time spent on not only your, your ex-wife in what she was doing and how did her actions uh, contribute to the divorce, right? So you're negating... You were, you're not now, but I mean, at the time, yeah. negating what your actions in the breakdown were, because there's two people involved in this and, and no one's yeah. perfect, right? And then earlier on, it seemed like in your story that you were kind of missing your own substance abuse issue because you said that your brother's uh, substance abuse issue was so much greater, at least in your mind, it was so much greater than yours. Hey, look at him. See, we're all looking at him. We're putting him, we're putting effort into him. But meanwhile, nobody's looking at themselves. Uh, yeah. Is that what I'm oh, hearing? Absolutely. And so what oh. it did was everything is external. But the problem is yes. that in recovery, we it may be. It may be Chris that is out of control. It may be that my ex-wife is out of control. It may be that my boss is a jerk and I didn't uh, deserve to get fired. That might be. I don't know. No one knows. Sure. But, sure, sure, sure. but I know this. I can't control Chris. I can't I, control my ex-wife. Yeah. I can't control my boss. But I can't control myself. Or I can try to. Let's put it this way: I try to control myself, but that's the only person that we have control of. Yeah. That when that when I that realization hit me, it was just wow. Um, it just it I, I was able to give up so much baggage and shit that I was carrying around, you know, um, and just say, "Look, it's all you, dude." You know. Um, and so, and then, so, you know, what's really cool is, so I, so I started doing that. I just tried to be the best person I could be and really kind of, and I was just working on that. And then I realized I, I was no longer a threat to people. I was no longer, and people didn't walk with and eggshells around me because I was just, they knew I was just kind of focused on me. And, and the result was it brought people, you know, it, it attracted people instead of repelled, you know, push them away. I started bringing people back in, especially like, some some relationships that I that I had fractured, like particularly talking about my ex-wife, who now I am back, you know, um, just one of the people I I I I'm still extremely close to because I'm no longer a threat to her. She doesn't have to walk, you know, you know, she didn't. You know, I'm okay. You know, we have a long history. We have three kids. So, like, why wouldn't I want this person in my life? But I was pushing, you know, everyone away. So it's, you know, and my kids now, everything's much better because they, I'm not a, I'm not a threat to them. And they see me kind of working really hard on, on, and uh, Mm -hmm. on, on, on doing, doing, making amends, you know, apologizing, you know, doing stuff that I, you know, that a, that a, that a, you know, human does, you know, and, um, uh, and they're, and they're, I'm getting that feedback from them. And there's not, there's nothing like getting this, you know, acknowledgement from, from people 
in your life that you know you've you've you know you've had a you've you've you know had a hard relationship with and they they all of a sudden come back and acknowledge you know something positive that you're doing and and and, and the whole time you're not you know all i was doing is trying to work on myself i wasn't trying to you know fix this relationship or or make you know make them understand kind of what i was just focused on myself and they saw it and they came back they reacted and they acknowledged it and i'm like and all of a sudden like you're like oh you're you're noticing that that's that's wonderful i i wasn't doing it for you to notice it i was doing it just to be a better person well that's the funny thing in recovery is there's a phrase and that is time takes time and yeah you know, one of the one of the things we talk about the eighth step and the ninth step. You know, making that list of amends and then making direct amends. Um, there's a reason why it's step eight and nine, and it's not step one or two. Uh, because I've seen this in recovery, and I'm sure you've seen this. People come in, and almost from day one, it's like, oh, I get it. I'm powerless over this. Uh, you know, I I need to find my higher power. Um, you know, or they even forgo that part of it, and they just go straight to the, I want to tell her how sorry everyone I, I am. Because they, they interpret steps 8 and 9 as just telling everybody that they're sorry. And then they jump to 12. I just want to run and tell everybody what a great thing oh, this yeah. is, and you need that. It's like there's three steps. It's like the buffet. <laughs> just take those three yeah. steps, and you forget that there's a whole bunch of other steps. And and by the way, the amends part is is 8 and 9. It's, it's, it's much later in the program. And the reason being is, A, you're not ready for it, and B, they're probably not ready for it. They they need to see the change that living a minute. They need to see it. That you know, in our addiction, we we've lied so much, we've disappointed so much, we've caused so yeah. much damage. And you know, how many times have we told people we we're going to stop and we didn't? They don't want to hear it anymore. They want to see it. They want to see well, it. That's and that's a, what that, you're yeah, it's not a and men's it's not a doesn't have to. It's not necessarily or shouldn't be a vocal thing. It's it's you know it's an action thing you know that's right. you're you know I, uh, um and sometimes the amends like as I said like you know when when I get this acknowledgement from my my kids or something like that like oh wow you're doing so it's like that that, that they open up that, that yeah I, I really I, I remember I remember acting like this and doing these kind of things and that 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 they bring out the amends sometimes you know a lot of times. It's not me kind of saying, "Hey, I'm sorry I did this." They're they're acknowledging something positive I'm doing, and it gives me an opportunity to say thank you. And I'm also sorry for the things that you know, the the, the stuff I did that I that I didn't do in the past. That uh, you know, the, the opposite. But they of what I'm they doing initiate now. it. They they yeah. acknowledge that yeah. they are ready for that conversation. Yes, they're exactly. That's that's the best kind of amends is, is when they pull it out of you. Is like they're 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 showing that they're ready. You're forcing that on them when they're not ready to hear it. It's what what use, you know? <laughs> it, it doesn't. It, 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 it's it's not it's not it's it's not being a benefit to you or them. Yeah, yeah I, you know what? I'll tell you. In my own case, let me just share with you a quick little story. I um like <laughs> like a lot of addicts. We don't do we're, we're extreme personalities, right? And and I'm yeah. no exception to that. And I had uh, when I got into recovery, I got into um, well, I prior to, to needing to be in recovery, I always kind of figured fancy myself as sort of a health nut. You know, I was in the military, so right, that was just part sure. of what we did, right? And but then you know, drinking you know took that away from me. So when I got when I got sober, I decided, oh, I'm going to get into uh, health and fitness. Well, you know, the way that we're wired, you know, if you go run a 5K, well, why not run a half marathon? Well, okay, yeah. why not run a marathon? Hey, why not run a marathon then run back to the starting line? So I got into, you know, ultra ultra marathons, which is a really, really bad idea if you're thinking about doing that. And, no, uh, no, not at all. No, as a matter of fact, I had the opposite reaction. I was never going to do you're, that. You're like, you're thinking, I, I might be extreme, but I, that never crossed my mind. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so I ended up doing that, right? I ended up doing this 50-mile race, and I am probably I don't know, maybe two years. Two years. Yeah, I think it was two years in recovery. And you get this medal, right, for, for this. And, and it was sitting out on the counter of my kitchen, and I remember my son walking in. And he came in 
and he said, hey, I am so proud of you. I know this is, this was really difficult, but I'm very proud of you. Now, I have in my mind, because the, the medal for this particular race that I completed was on the counter. That's what I'm thinking. And what I yeah. didn't realize was he was congratulating me on having two years of sobriety. And he says wow. to me, he says, hey, I'm, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, thanks. That was a really dumb idea. And he's looking at me and he goes, what? <laughs> he said, what? And I said, yeah, that was really stupid. I don't recommend that. And he's looking at me, he's going, what are you talking about? And I looked at him and I said, well, what are you talking about? And he said, you're two years of recovery. I, I know what a struggle that was. I know how tough it was. And and I, th- I think that that's fantastic. And I just, I, dad, I just, you're a tough guy, but that was the toughest thing that you've ever done in your life. And I said, oh, and I pointed over at the medal, and I said, I thought you were talking about that race. And he goes, oh, no, that was really stupid. You should never do that again. <laughs> but, that <laughs> was, but that was yeah. when we the discussion, but th- that was sort of the door to then have a larger discussion about, hey, let me let me talk to you about, you know, the things that I did while I was drinking that, you know, I'm ashamed of and, and I'm sorry yeah. for. And, yeah. But he was ready. But that was the moment where I knew he was ready for that. But that was two years later. That was two years later. Wow. Yeah. Just, it sometimes takes a lot longer. Yeah. You know, depending on the, you know. So, yeah, those are great moments, aren't they? Yeah. They, they are. And I, let me, so let me ask you this. And you said that uh, when you went to your first AA meeting, when was your first AA meeting? Like where in the progression of all this did that happen? Um, uh, I would say um, probably the second time, you know, I, I did the first five years of kind of um, white knuckling it without kind of do the, you know, I just like, I just kind of just said, I'm not going to drink anymore and see how far that got me. Um, and then I went back to drinking and then the second time, and then I moved back to Wisconsin and, and, uh, said, yeah, I got to stop. I got to do this again. And I gotta, I gotta do this again. And I'll try AA. And I, I just kind of, yeah, I kind of looked around the rooms and, I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not connecting with these people because I was kind of, you know, I was looking at them completely differently, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was probably, um, yeah, it was, it was probably, you know, 15 years ago. Uh, so, and, and for those that are listening and if you don't, you've never heard the term white knuckling it before, what that means is not drinking, but not working a program. A program. And, and I'll tell you, Tom, and I appreciate you sharing that because, you hear that all the time, and I and I work in the addiction field now, and I hear it from from people that relapse all the time. They say that they're they're white knuckling it. I just won't. I don't like meetings. I don't like those people. I don't like you know any yeah. of that. So I'm just going to do it on my own. Rarely, re- and I'll be honest with you, I don't know that I've I don't really know anybody that does recovery on their own. And you can always tell people that are white knuckling it because they're usually not real happy people. If if you do happen to meet them well, in a meeting, because you're 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 not you're. you're <laughs> We all know that this is, a, you know, mental illness and substance abuse are diseases of isolation. Yeah. The flip, the flip, well, everyone knows that, you know, and that's in, geez, you know, we, you know, that's, you know, I, I think of the times, you know, I'll, whether I was drinking or not, I was, I was definitely in isolation. But the flip side of that phrase is that you, we, we cannot, we cannot heal in isolation either. It, it demands connection. It demands as a fellowship, as we call it. And uh, I couldn't do it without that. That was it's that connection. And the, the I, I guess I was fortunate enough to, like, a year into year, year and a half into um, my recovery, that you know, COVID hit, and um, all of a sudden, the rest of the world kind of started to feel and experience what, what isolation really feels like. What I've felt like most of my life. And, yeah. You know, people around a lot of, a lot of people in our, you know, sometimes in our, in our communities, in our, uh, in our own families have felt like that their entire lives. The, you know, the difference is the rest of the world all of a sudden felt isolated. And they were like, you know, they couldn't handle it. They were, they were starting fights in Walmarts and getting thrown out of planes. And, you know, it was that bad. And I'm like, that's how, that's how, 
bad um, being disconnected is. But I was during COVID, I could I could log on to a meeting any place, any time, any place in the world, and feel immediately connected. You know, in this in this extremely isolating uh, time period we had. And I, but I, I because of my recovery community, I could I could connect at least on one level. You know, it, it was just, you know, around one kind of common, you know, thing that we shared, but it was a connection. And, and the beauty is about recovery for me is like, that's teaching you the, you know, how important connection is, how, uh, you know, how, what, what, you know, it's teaching me once again, if I ever felt it at all, what it feels like to be trusted and accepted, to be amongst people that where I feel you know, you know, less fear because I have trust and acceptance. And, you know, that's, that's the ideal. As a matter of fact, you know, that's why we're on this earth is, you know, we are hardwired for connection. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's our whole being. And so um, it, it took me to be in recovery to, 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 to find that and, and, and identify what it feels like to, to be connected and now, and you know, um, now it, it, the the goal is not to just stay in recovery. My my my, my recovery communities, you know. Now I want to go out into the into the world, if you will. Um, if I don't feel that same connection, that same trust, that same acceptance that I have in my recovery community, I got two things. I can either leave. I got to tell myself this isn't up, you know, a good connection environment for you. Get the hell out of there. Or I've got to accept that, that that that's the case. Like it could be a business function, whatever. And just tell myself, you know, this isn't what this is, that this is not a connection kind of environment and accept that, you know, um, I think my, you know, my, my whole nature is I, you know, I've always wanted, because I was so isolated, I wanted to connect with everybody and that's not a safe thing to do. It's not a realistic thing to do. Yeah, it's, it's funny because uh, I was thinking the same thing about the pandemic. It's like the whole world got a taste yeah. of what being in active addiction was like, yeah. and how and nobody liked it. <laughs> nobody liked it at all, and it's tough. And the unfortunate part was in the early part of the pandemic. You know, meetings were shut down. Uh, we weren't connecting. Churches were shut down. Interestingly enough, liquor stores were were kept open, and yeah. uh, in some yeah. parts of the country, medical marijuana. Uh, is it was available, but yet you couldn't go to a meeting. It was just a very bizarre period, and uh, I'm glad that we're not in that that time frame anymore. But it really is about connection, and you know. But look, going back and looking at people, and I think what's interesting about this, and I've seen this happen with a lot of families and a lot of groups. So you come from uh, a family where there uh, alcoholism was there uh, later. Yeah. Uh, you know, drugs, you know, drugs came into play. And so addiction is addiction is addiction. And there's a definite genetic predisposition towards addiction. So you had it in the family. And what was interesting is you said early on in this program that you, and it sounds like, and and correct me if I'm wrong in this, but this is, this is what I, I heard was that you and your family members looked at Chris and it was, Hey, look, he's so out of control, but nobody was looking at themselves. And so, so if you don't mind me, uh, do you mind if I talk about Chris a little bit or ask you some questions? Oh, absolutely, about that? no, 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 absolutely. And how it relates back to our own recovery. So, Chris was in his active addiction, and it was becoming it was a public, really, kind of an issue sure. um, at that at that point. And a lot of people were trying to helping him, and you saw this, but yet you continued to use. And how does at the time, how was his use affecting you, or did you notice it? And then, with his story, how does what happened to him and not getting well, even though it was offered to him, because I, I know he went to a treatment a, a number of times, how do you take sort of the lessons learned, pull those lessons away from that whole story, if you follow me? And and I know that, that's yeah. kind of a loaded question, but sort of what's it, what example did, did that set? And and how do you look at it now compared to back then? Well, a couple of things. As far as the family's concerned, there's, there's one image that I'm particularly haunted by that I, I, I remember it distinctly. Uh, it, was a, it was a Christmas Eve, um, and, you know, for, in our family, you know, those were big, uh, that was a big night. You know, we... 
we would stay up late to open pre- all our presents when we were older um and um and uh drink and laugh and all that kind of stuff and this particular christmas um i think chris was just out of out of treatment and we were doing the same thing we were you know it's you know having the brandies and having a great old time and i i remember just this vision of chris just sitting there with his mug of coffee you know just trying to be sober while the rest of his family was doing the same thing we always did because it wasn't our problem you know chris went to treatment you know blah 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 and he's kind of saying but you know we're we're not that bad and so we can still do what we're doing and we weren't you know i just wish we would have been there for chris at that at those moments but we weren't we just didn't understand we didn't know and we just didn't think it had anything to do with us you know or his you know his his um his recovery and sobriety you know we didn't think it was connected to us at all um his we you know we should have been uh, you know that that we should have been that connected enough to and to, to, to be there for him. So I, I, I remember, I remember always thinking about that and I always thinking about, you know, how it affects, you know, positively or negatively, you know, you know, somebody that's, you know, has this disease that, you know, it's, it's, it isn't, it affects a lot of people. And so I always, I always remember that based on that, that vision, but, you know, we all kind of reacted, you know, I, I remember I, that's the first time I, I stopped drinking um, uh, when was Chris, you know, I was in New York. He was in New York. I was kind of like, weird. I, you know, everyone else was back in Wisconsin. So um, I and I did get to see also up front just w- w- amazed me was Chris in recovery when he was successful. And and I, and, and I saw this this his career just explode and how he was just, he was just so amazing. And that impressed me that that's where I, you know, I was the older brother. I, he was just always this knucklehead. And all of a sudden he's like, really, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't just kind of doing the same old stuff that Chris always did, which he was naturally funny at. He was actually really, um, um, uh, really understood his craft and, and really just became an, you know, a, a real artist. And I was, uh, that, uh, that impressed me and raised me. And then he asked me to come to a, his like third year anniversary, you know, AA meeting that he was chairing. And I, you know, that was the first meeting I ever went to, uh, that I, I, you know, watched Chris just up front talking about his addiction. I'm like, I don't know this guy. I mean, I, you know, this is a new Chris. This is great. This is amazing. So, you know, it, it those things just kind of, you know, just stayed with me. And so I said, all right, I'm, I'm you know, I'm not going to drink. Um, and, uh, you know, and then Chris died and we, you know, again, just a lot of, a lot of stuff happened, but, you know, I, I didn't really, um, yeah, we, yeah, we all, we all, you know, I did, I, I it's funny, like the first person in my family to, to get sober was my mom who was, you know, just doing it because she was, you know, trying to keep up with the rest of us, you know, she's this little tiny little thing. And, um, uh, she stopped drinking and instead of going to a, she went to Al-Anon she was trying to figure out like, you know, she had a husband that drank too much. She had kids that drank too much. So that's her response was to kind of go that route, but she, it, she's been sober over 30 years, you know, oh, and that's never phenomenal. Looked, yeah. Yeah, I mean the first one. I mean, it's it's uh, incredible, um, and uh, I got to tell you too. You know, and she's still she's still alive, and you know, just me being in recovery, um, just being able to give her that gift um, from my personally, you know, it's just like I just see it in her face all the time, and we and we talk about it all the time. We talk about you know, she's almost like my sponsor, you know, because you know. I see her every day, and so I, it just it just gives her so much joy that uh, somebody somebody in the family <laughs> got figured figure it out. So, well, that's um, that's that's phenomenal, and so obviously we know how this story ended, and yeah. he'd been exposed. To, it sounds like he had a third year anniversary, and you went to that meeting, so he had periods of sobriety. What, so what was happening? What what happened? 
Well, you know, he, he lost that connection. He always had, you know, he had people that he trusted, you know, whether it was, you know, some like a couple of really close, good friends, uh, or, you know, or, or just his, his ensemble at work, you know, um, Saturday Night Live is, is this tight ensemble. He felt trusted and, you know, accepted there. Um, and then when he went to LA and Hollywood, he lost that. He was, he was, he was isolated again. And at that time, also his, his, um, his career, like he, he was no longer a person. He was a commodity. And he, he, he felt that he understood, he, he, that affected him a lot. I mean, it really, um, he didn't know who to trust. Um, he saw all these people making money off of him. And that's, I mean, that's, you know, every, you know, uh, pro athlete, every musician, every, you know, actor, they all go through that same thing. All of a sudden you're, there's a lot of people making money off of your talent mm-hmm. and that's a heavy, heavy thing. And, um, and, the, and so he just, that, that became kind of isol- very isolating for him. Um, he, he kind of, he, he had that, you know, um, he, he lost a little trust and I think he gained a little fear in that process and that was enough to, um, yeah, then, 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 and not only that, but, you know, he, his work, you know, especially at, at, you know, when he was in Chicago at second city and, and SNL, you know, those were every day he had to show up to work. There was, it was just high and, you know he was and he was getting this the constant affirmation of applause and laughter and he that he needed and thrived and all of a sudden he goes to hollywood and he's making a movie and then he's got six months off and that stuff stops that every day and that affirmation it just stops and he didn't fill it with anything and that's that's where all of a sudden it went from just one extreme you know just up and down roller coaster um he just kind of lost that um, that grounding, you know, um, element of of his recovery community. You know, so it, it all goes back to community. It it just does. Hundred percent, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and that's a tough business to be in when, when you have an addiction issue. And Truly. you know, I, I my younger brother works in the in the music industry, and uh, drugs and alcohol are everywhere. It's just yeah. everywhere. I mean, it's, <laughs> I don't know if there's a, a tougher place to be than in that world and it's available. And then to be surrounded by people like, like you mentioned that aren't necessarily your friends and don't necessarily have your best interest at heart. They, they are in a relationship with you because of who you are, what you represent and, yeah. and they make money because you're making money. And the, the day that that stops, then their relationship with you stops. And I, I can't, yeah. can't imagine uh, what that would be like? Yeah, I just can't imagine. Uh, no, what that would be no, like. it's a tough you, you place. Can't. It, it really, it really is. Um, it's it's sad. Um, I, I just feel bad for. I just I, you know now I, you know you see it a lot, and it's like oh, here's another one. It's 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 tough to watch. It's because I lived through it. I saw it. Did Did you see it coming? I mean, where like the day that you found out that he died, was it a surprise to you or, you know, cause sometimes you hear people say, I saw this coming a mile away and they're, they're not surprised by it. No, I mean, you never think it's, I mean, you know, it's possible. Um, but I mean, literally I, you know, I, 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 I saw it on CNN. You know, that's how I learned, you know, seeing it on the news and that, you know, that in and of itself is a shocker. You know, that, that's just, you know, that, that's not how you're supposed to hear these things. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. And uh, at the fundraiser that I met you at, you, you, you relayed that story. You were in a friend's office. You were actually in an office. Yeah. And yep. the TV was on in the background, and you literally looked over at the TV and saw your brother's picture on the TV. Correct? Yeah. So I was, I, it, it, my first thought was, like, now what's he doing? You know, what's he doing now? I thought, you know, like, they're announcing And... I turned up the volume just as they're, you know, showing his apartment and the ambulance out front and hearing the, you know, these words that like, it's for real. Yeah. It was, it was very strange. And I, and I think, as I said, in the event, you know, I, my first thought, you know, for the next, you know, couple of months was like, you know, nobody 
you know, um, how do I share this with them? Like, this is so like, this is so nobody goes through this. Nobody, nobody has this experience. And, you know, the more and more I've gotten into, uh, this field, I realized that, you know, I share this, actually this loss and grief with way, way too many people. It's, it's very, I, I'm in a, a, a very large, um, um, uh, group of people that share that. So, but it's also why I'm all of all of these experiences we've been talking about are why I'm in treatment, uh, in the treatment field myself now. I mean, I now work for a, a treatment, uh, uh, mental health and substance abuse uh, um, organization in in Illinois called Rosecrans, and um, it's all because of these experiences. And I and I and even during COVID, when I was I was doing a lot of podcasts and and webinars talking about this coming storm. We're going to have this. What's coming after the pandemic? You know, we had an epidemic before the pandemic. And now people are going to be leaving the pan- pandemic with behaviors they didn't have going in. And um, there's going to be a real need for people in treatment. And I realized for 20, 20 years, I've just been talking about it. Now I, I, I just kind of felt I need to, to actually help people get into treatment. And that's where I am now. And it's, I just never felt like I'm, I'm so in finally in my right lane doing what I should be doing. Yeah. So you and I both took that path, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah. It, it becomes your life. And then, you know, because your life is going so well and your life has been repaired, you want to devote your life to helping others see and experience what you've experienced. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I mean, and, and you'll, you know this too. And I, I said this to so many people. It's like we talk about treatment and we talk about, you know, the addiction, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we don't talk enough about is there's nothing like seeing, um, you know, a, a, a human being, you know, made whole again mm-hmm. and given, given that, uh, that, that gift of life back on the other side, when they come out of treatment and go into and, and, and start working on program being in aftercare and, 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 and recovery, to see that this person that that wrote themselves off that's just that their communities have been families sometimes have had written off as as like there's there's nothing of value here anymore and to see them on the other side that's the real that's i mean that's the real gift of the working in this field is is to see that um what's possible on the other side it's it's truly um it's 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 a it's truly amazing yeah, it sure is. Well, tell us a, a bit about. You mentioned what you, uh, your, where you work and what you do. What is it that you do? Lane, you say you help people get into treatment. So, what do you do? Well, as an outreach, you know, community relations person, you know, my job is to is to really find the you know the hardest thing for anyone seeking seeking help is just there's so many barriers to recovery and find just like you know finding the right place to where to go you know, like. You know, like, Jesus, I, you know, like, just the whole, like, the first question that, you know, everyone's always asked is, like, what, what insurance do you have? I mean, yeah. it's just, like, that's, that is no way for anyone to be welcomed into, you know, treatment. And it's just, it's just, it's just a bad thing. So, it's just, my job is to, is to, if, if it's not into our play, you know, our treatment um, programs, I, 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 you know, I know other places in Wisconsin where they can go. I, I, it's, I, I never, I, I either want to get them to our door and then, you know, pass it off, let, let our admissions be like, like then you take it from here. I'm getting people to our door. I'm telling about our services and all that kind of stuff. But if they can't, if they can't, you know, if for some reason we don't have the right programs or, <laughs> you know, they don't have the right insurance for credit, you know, Kind of loud. Um, I, then I, 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 I kind of feel like I, I, all right, that was, that was the first step. Let's find someplace else. Let's make sure that, that, um, uh, we find your place. You know, that, that's kind of my job is yeah. to really make sure that people get access to, um, the, um, treatment services that they, that are going to work the best for them. 
Well, that's great. Now, if, if any of the listeners want to, do you have a website or do you have any way that you, social media that you'd like to put out so they can contact you? Um, you know, I'm on, I'm on, you know, uh, usually, I don't know what my, uh, um, Twitter, I think it's Mad Farley, M-A-D-F-A-R-L-E-Y at, and I think, so that, yeah, that's, that's Twitter. And that stands for Madison because I live in Madison, Wisconsin. It doesn't mean I'm <laughs> angry, <laughs> but sometimes it does yeah. work that way. Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, Tom Farley too is my Instagram, but you know, I, I kind of, yeah. So I, I haven't figured out kind of like my, my social media persona versus my, like, this is what I do for a living yeah. persona. You know, it's it just kind of, kind of, kind of something for myself. I, I, I feel like I'm, this is all I do, which is, which is wonderful. I mean, I, I don't, I like it, but it becomes your life. Yeah, it, it, it really it does. It totally does. Oh it my does. gosh. Well, I, I tell you what, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. It's, it's fantastic. And, and I know the listeners have gotten a lot out of your story and there's a lot of really good, solid recovery messages in your story. And I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Yeah. I hit it, you know, and then the other stuff, it's like, there's so many other things, you know, that I'm, I'm, I'm still dealing with now. It's the whole thing of like, I always talk about, you know, my brother and my recovery. And then there, there was a time when there, when, when you have somebody that that's, you know, I have the, the loss of, of a family member. I've got that. I can, you know, that I'm still kind of, you know, working through and I can, but I can talk about them. There's also, you know, like there's those times growing up when you, and, and people that have somebody in their circles and families that has an addiction, that they, they take all the focus, all the attention. And yeah. that, you know, if you're part of it, like you, you can resent and you can, you know, you don't understand and like that. That's a that's a real thing. And I had to I had to, you know, accept and acknowledge that and to deal with it, too. You know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. With Chris. A- yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I uh, I was at a part of a group. It was not a recovery group. It was a, another program that I'm involved in. And I, the first time I heard an analogy like that, and it really hit me, and it was the first time I'd really thought of this in this way, was uh, th- there was this young man, and he was talking about how his brother, who was a veteran, came back, struggled with PTSD, uh, you know, saw a lot of combat, had a lot of issues, and ultimately this young man um, committed suicide. Well, the man that I'm speaking to is his brother, and it's a couple of years later after the suicide, and um, mom, his mother, uh, single mom, uh, it, it, that became sort of her persona. Yeah. This, this it became her persona, and that's all she talked about, and it's all that, that you know, it consumed her. And of course, I'm initially I'm thinking, well, of course that would consume, yeah. any parent would. But, uh, you know, that's the first time I heard this young man say, but you know what? I really resent her for that. And he went on to explain it's because it's almost as if she forgot that there were other people in her life. Yeah. So every that day happens. that she was mourning that, she was not, you know, not spending time in developing the relationships that she had. And I never thought, Tom, I never thought of it that way. But that's interesting. Neither did I. Neither, neither did I. And I, but I was carrying around those, those, those resentments. I'm like, why did I like respond that way? You know, I, I look back now and it's because I was, that's, I was carrying that around, you know? And I, so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's taken all these years to like, to deal with that. And I don't, you know, I, those are, those are my feelings. I don't like, again, because I'm in recovery, I get, I get to focus on dealing with that feeling. I don't like lash out at my, you know, my family for like always focusing on Chris. I don't, you know, Lash out at Chris because he was the you know the 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 center of attention you know all this attention that he was kind of always doing. I just like these are your feelings. You got to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, you know. That's tough. Well, I tell you what, I I think there's so many different things we can talk about. We got to have you back on this program. Would you be willing yeah, to come back on? Like it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, definitely. Was, I mean, because there's so many things quick. that we can talk about. And uh, but it's been a real pleasure having you on the program. And thanks, thanks for giving us your time. Really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. I, again, it was a great conversation. It's good and it's good stuff. And you know, it's it's important stuff. So I'm happy to uh, 
and it helps it helps me too you know yeah I'll send it you does. A nickel. That's smart. For, and if you're listening to this program you know helping others helps us as much if not more than yeah. does the other person it's it's what we do it's amazing yeah it's so true so well, thank you mike i appreciate it and so, folks, as I always like to say, you know, I don't represent any group. Now, I know we talk about groups. We're talking about AA, and and uh, yeah. maybe we'll, we'll, you know, sometimes we talk about family programs, but we don't represent them. And, I, you know, I don't represent anyone other than myself, and the same is true with Tom. And our only purpose in giving this information is to share with you what we've learned because it's helped us, and, and maybe it'll help you too. So if I've said anything that doesn't apply to you or if Tom said anything and you don't agree with it, then just discard it. But try to take any information that you can use for yourself and help others as well, because that's what we do in recovery. We help ourselves along the way, and we help to impart the knowledge that we've gained to others with as well. And so with that, folks, please visit my Facebook page, which is Recovery is Possible, and my website, which is com, and let me know if I'm how I'm doing, and let me know if there's a topic that you'd like to hear about, because we're here to help you guys, and take care of yourselves, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.